I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and I created this presentation as a way to uh, help introduce people to real estate investing and also show you the many different ways that it can be used to benefit you financially. Um, the title is Solution to Student Debt, but to be honest with you, uh, you really can use it for just about anything. So we'll go through a lot of different things. Student debt is, is a, a huge issue in this country, and so I think it's applicable, but uh, it doesn't only apply to that. So if you don't have student debt, you're very lucky, but I still think you'd be interested in um, hearing this presentation. So we'll go through a few things here. I'll talk a little bit about myself and why I believe so strongly in real estate. Uh, we're gonna talk to how to get out of student debt. We're gonna talk about how to plan for retirement. And then limiting beliefs are some of those things that hold people back from really achieving in life. And so maybe talk about what some of those are and how to get past them. Uh, I'll define syndication for you and give you some real life examples from our own investing journey and uh, you know, kind of how we've used that to get sort of financially ahead. All right. So a little bit about me. Uh, as I said, I'm Jason Ballara. I'm a veterinary surgeon. That's you know sort of my career path. That's what I'm passionate about uh, in terms of you know I've wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a child. So th this is a an important part of who I am. Uh, I also think being a part of the veterinary community gives me a unique perspective on how to help other veterinarians. Uh, I am also a real estate investor, so it's not either or. Uh, I have a background in single family or residential uh, real estate, mostly in the form of fix and flips. I also at one point owned a three family in Boston. So I've done a little bit of the small multifamily and then most recently moving on to larger multifamily deals. And we'll get into that towards the end. I'm also recently a podcast host, started my podcast um, uh, late spring of 2021 in an attempt to sort of disseminate information and talk to people about their real estate journey and, and not just real estate journey, but um, about their why. And what that means is essentially what, what's the reason behind what you're trying to achieve. Uh, it's, it's a big part of, you know, a big part of how we get from a starting point to an area of, you know, really pushing ourselves to do big things uh, and, and, and briefly, you know, generally, my family is my why. Uh, so without a why, it's very, very hard to reach your maximum potential. My why really is, is my family, but, but also I enjoy giving back in as, uh, as many ways as possible. So some of that's through education. Uh, I train residents uh, in surgery, but also I would like to help veterinarians learn more about the ways to 
gain themselves fi some financial freedom. Uh, the veterinary community has a unfortunately extremely high suicide rate compared to other industries. And I believe the financial burdens placed on veterinarians are a big part of that. So I think that there are a lot of things we can do to help people. Um, and, you know, I, I aim to be a part of that. So the first thing I think is as you are thinking about looking for financial independence and uh, you know sort of achieving anything big, I think the first thing you need to do is figure out what is your why um, and what that is, what exactly is your purpose in the world? The why, once you figure that out, what your what your why, why am I doing this? That's what that means. Why am I working this hard? Why am I pushing myself? And it has to be a meaningful purpose or else uh, you will find it easy to stop or easy to give up because there will be some hardships along the way. So why real estate? Uh, I sort of coined this three O's, basically um, options. There are many, many, many different ways to invest in real estate, uh, either as an active investor or a passive investor. There are many, many different opportunities on both ends of that spectrum as well. And then opulence, which is not really a word I like, but it started with O, really tends, has to do with wealth or your, your financial independence. So you really need to figure out, you know, what is your plan in life? How are you going to get financially free? Uh, whether that means getting rid of student debt or it means, um, you know, sort of planning for retirement or, or whatever that may be, or maybe just planning for some purchase for your family. So there are tons of benefits to real estate. Like I said, uh, so many opportunities, uh, but the big ones that people will talk about are cash flow. So essentially real estate is able to provide you with what is sometimes referred to as mailbox money. So passive income, cash coming into your accounts every month, uh, essentially for doing no work, no active work. Uh, real estate also provides a lot in the way of appreciation. So over time, real estate gains in value uh, in almost all circumstances. There are certainly ups and downs to the market, but basically it is something that um, you can count on virtually like clockwork that ultimately over time, real estate will uh, gain in value. You can use leverage. So leverage refers to using debt to purchase something that uh, if you were to pay cash for, you certainly couldn't afford, you know, that particular um, asset. So say you want to buy a uh, $100,000 house, but you only have $20,000. Well, you can still buy that $100,000 house because that's 20% down on a $100,000 house. And that's where leverage comes in. And you can, you know, sort of scale those numbers up as you see fit. Uh, there are multiple tax benefits to real estate. You, you hear uh, all the time about people with, with big real estate portfolios and the amount of um, tax uh, deferment, um, tax advantages that they're able to take advantage of are, are quite astounding once you really dive into it. Uh, it allows you to build wealth over time. So it's not a get rich quick scheme, uh, but it is a get rich slow scheme, slow but surely. So it's probably about the most guaranteed way to get rich if you stick with it, but it won't happen quickly. Uh, real estate is tangible assets, right? So contrary to stocks, if you purchase stocks, you have you know sort of a hypothetical piece of paper that allows you to have a share in a company when you're purchasing um, uh, real estate, then there's an actual 
building or land or something like that associated with it. It's also a very good inflation hedge because as inflation goes up, so will the price of real estate. So if you're invested in real estate, inflation becomes less of a concern in terms of the value of the dollar. So we'll talk a little bit about real estate versus stocks. Real estate provides a number of things um, different to what you can get out of stocks. So there is stability. Uh, there's not gonna be quite the same volatility that you would see in the stock market. We've seen a lot of volatility, particularly recently in the stock market. Uh, real estate can provide you cash flow, As I mentioned already, that mailbox money. Uh, in most instances, you are not going to be receiving cash flow from your stock investments. Now, you may get dividends, but those are not things you can spend. Those stay or you can't spend them without being taxed. Those things generally stay in the account. So you reinvest those dividends. Again, real estate provides a tangible asset which can have forced appreciation. So you can take uh, a rundown house and you can renovate it and sell it for more because the value has been increased. And that's what force appreciation refers to. It's tax advantage, as I mentioned. Now, there is probably one uh, potential downside to real estate in that it is illiquid, meaning when you purchase real estate, it's not so easy as uh, you know, sort of selling it the next day like you could with stocks. So there is some time commitment. As I mentioned, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a get rich slow scheme. So it is going to take some time, uh, but it is worth kind of sticking it out, I guess I would say. Um, with real estate, you can invest either passively or actively. Now with stocks, a lot of it is you know, sort of contrary to what we talked about in real estate, uh, that can be very volatile. You don't really have any benefits of cash flow. You certainly have no impact on the performance of that stock. You know, obviously, maybe if you are uh, a good example is Elon Musk. He decided that Tesla was going to take accept Bitcoin as as a payment. When that happened, the price of Bitcoin went up astronomically. Then he decided they weren't going to take Bitcoin as a payment because uh, of the environmental implications. And so then the price of Bitcoin crashed. So there's you as the general consumer did not have an impact on the performance of the stocks that you're buying. You're not going to have any impact on the value of Apple if you buy an Apple stock. They are, however, uh, much more liquid. So you can buy a stock and sell that stock an hour later. Uh, you will pay uh, a lot of capital gains tax on if you've made money in that hour, but it is it is possible. Uh, it's maybe even a little bit more accessible to purchase stocks than it is real estate. And it's certainly a very passive investment. And I am not saying that stocks are a bad investment. I'm just trying to give you a comparison here and show you what, what the big differences are. So an active versus a, versus a passive investor. Active investors, in reality, there are different levels of active. Uh, in some instances, an active real estate investor, it may be like having a job, for example, a house flipper. Uh, there is a lot of work and time that goes into making that process go. So it can be time consuming. Uh, it can be education intensive to make sure that you're doing it right. But there are potential for greater returns if you are active in that space. There is also the ability to help others. Uh, that's one of the really nice benefits of being an active investor is that you can provide and create opportunities for passive investors, and then everybody benefits from them. And certainly there is ability to build wealth as an active real estate investor. With passive real estate investing, it's relatively easy. Uh, you can continue just 
you know, doing your day job or, or not. Maybe you'll create financial independence through passive investing and you won't have to work anymore or you work when you want to. Um, you're still able to realize most of the same benefits. So the cash flow, the tax advantages, lots of that is uh, still very much applicable for passive investors. And you're still able to help others. So we can use those passive uh, investments as um you know, sort of wealth building vehicles, and then use that wealth to uh, whether that's contribute to charity, or use your extra time to, to volunteer, there's all different ways to um, sort of give back. So this is a very sort of common quote out there in the real estate world, but 90% of all millionaires become through so become so through owning real estate. So from Andrew Carnegie, he's was a a billionaire uh, back when that wasn't really a thing. That's a word that kind of gets thrown around now. But basically, most people that get ultra wealthy do that through investing in real estate. So let's get down to it. How do we get rid of this student debt? All right. So currently, the numbers on student debt, the average student loan burden uh, in the US for general meaning undergraduate degrees is about $38,000 per student. In the veterinary field, the average is about 150,000, but I have also known a number of veterinarians that are uh, coming out with 300 to $400,000 in school loans. So that is quite a burden to start your, you know, sort of young career with. And then the interest rates currently, I've seen anywhere from 2.75 to 7.12%. Um, to be truthful, I don't believe that 2.75%. I don't know anybody, at least now, who's coming out with that low of an interest rate. And certainly the interest rates are higher for graduate students. So uh, in the veterinary community or, or other medical degrees, those interest rates are higher in that 6 to 7%. With uh, paying back your student loans, you have a number of options. Uh, you certainly can consolidate, and I think consolidating is a good idea. And then another, you know, sort of option, uh, although I will and I'll explain this why, I don't think this is a good option. You can potentially try to pay your school loans off early. So in terms of a debt strategy, basically, whether this is student loan or, or any debt, the, the first, you know, first step really is to kind of evaluate and really run the numbers on what debt you have. And so using those numbers, and especially with school loans, it may be beneficial to consolidate them all to one, uh, one loan. Um, sometimes it isn't, you really have to look at those interest rates and what that does. But essentially what you need to know is, th these are the, this is the evaluation part. You need to know what your total debt burden is, whether that's student loans or another debt that you're trying to um, address here. You need to know what the interest rate is and you need to know, is there something I can do about that interest rate? Can I lower it? Um, you need to know what your amortization or the debt term is. So how long do you have to pay this back? You need to know what those monthly payments are. Um, and like I said, you, you need to know how long you'd be making that monthly payment as it's currently structured. And, and please understand, you cannot uh, or you do not have to accept the current structure that you have. There are uh, many options for consolidation or um, increasing the length of time so you can decrease your monthly payments. So once you have that figured out, bottom line, you need to know what your rate is and you need to know what your monthly payment is and how you can maximize those things. Now you go on to step two and you're gonna look for investments 
and use that monthly payment in interest rate to determine what your investment criteria is. So basically what you want is the rate of return that you're getting from that investment is greater than whatever the interest rate is that you're paying. And to be truthful, the length of time that you're paying that may not matter if you've got an investment in place that will pay that debt for you. And, and this is very doable. So for example, uh, if we go back to those numbers and you have a, a say a 5% uh, interest rate on your student loans, but you are able to find a, an investment vehicle that will pay you passive income at a 10% rate, you're making 5% extra on your money as your student debt is being paid off. So that's why I say the length of time may not matter. You can make that extra 5% for 30 years if you've uh, consolidated and amortized over those 30 years. And so then the third step realistically is just keep doing that. You can find uh, essentially an investment vehicle for every debt or expense that you have, you basically can look at it as I'm going to find an investment opportunity, put the money that I would have put into those debt payments into that investment opportunity, and then let that investment pay my debt. So there's an interesting thing that helps uh, people figure out, you know, kind of what they're their time frame is to really double their money. So the rule of 72, basically, if you divide 72 by whatever your rate of return, that's how many years it will take you to double your investment uh, or double your money in that investment. So if you have an 8% return, it doubles in nine years. Um, you know, conversely, if you have a 10% return, 7.2 years, there's there's a um, it's it's easy math to give you a rough idea of how long it's going to take you to double your money. So what about retirement? How can I apply this to retirement? Basically, again, you need to figure out what your goal is. What do you want in retirement? When do you want to retire? And how much money do you think you'll need there at the time? So you sort of have, the way I see it, two options in retirement. You can work your entire life, retire at 65 or, or maybe even a little bit after that if you're still, uh, still happily employed and you have the energy to do it. But ultimately, once you retire, the traditional retirement system is predicated on you passing away before the money that you've saved up has run out. When you really think about it, it's really not a great strategy. It doesn't allow you the ability to retire early. It doesn't really allow you the ability to accumulate any more wealth after you've retired. Uh, it, there, there's quite a bit of shortcomings in, in the sort of traditional, traditional retirement plan. Um, alternatively, you can invest your money in cash flowing assets. Uh, mainly that's gonna be real estate. You, are, you can progressively increase your passive income over time. So, you know, if we think about that rule of 72, an 8% return is, is actually quite conservative, but basically that means every nine years you've doubled your money. And that continue, that's while still receiving those uh, distributions, the passive cash flow. And so over time, that money is just going to grow and grow more. And so then when you retire, your money isn't being depleted each year. It's actually still growing if you're living off that cash flow. So this gives you the ability to retire early if you want. It gives you the ability to continue to watch your wealth grow. Um, or you, you don't retire. 
you just love what you're doing and you just want something to, you know, kind of supplement you if you decide to cut back or, you know, maybe you're going to take all that money and you're going to give it to charity, whatever you like, but it gives you options. But the point is it allows you to do whatever you want. It, it really, uh, it really opens up a lot of options, as I mentioned. And so to me, that is the ideal. So probably when I talk about this with people, I feel like people are coming up with a lot of reasons why it might apply to me, but not to them. It's, it's not true. Uh, there's nothing special about me. I've made every single financial mistake that you probably can in your life. Uh, I could do an entire other presentation of all the all the ways I've screwed it up until, until recently. But literally anybody can do what I'm doing now. Um, if you want to get rid of your student debt or you want to, you know, sort of plan for an early retirement or you just want a little bit of extra cash flow that you don't have to work for, there are ways to do it. So you, if you're not doing it, you're probably really just falling victim to limiting beliefs. And in general, these are what the, the limiting beliefs or excuses not to do it are. One, I have no money. Two, I don't have any time or I'm too busy. Three, I'm too young. Four, I'm too old. Five, what if the market crashes, right? What, what, if, what about that risk that sits there? Uh, I've had every single one of those limiting beliefs. I didn't start this journey when I was 18, believe me, and I wish I, wish I had. Um, and sometimes I still do have these limiting beliefs, but I've really seen the, the benefits that can be achieved. So let's talk a little bit about them, and then we can push them aside because they really don't help us get anywhere. But basically, the, the, the first one, I, I don't have the money to invest. That's the whole point. Right, you don't have you don't have the money you wish you had, and so you're using that to say I can't invest. But in reality, that's where you should start, and you can do that in a number of ways. You really can get pretty creative with this. You can use an IRA, you can use a four hundred one k, you can start a side hustle so you increase the amount of income that you have. Uh, if you have own a house and there's equity in it, you can use a home equity line of credit. Or if you have a business, you can use a business equity line of credit. You can talk to friends and family and pool your money. You can do. You can find investors and use OPM, which is other people's money, to fund your investments. There's there's so many options out there that the no money thing is, uh, it's just not a reality. Age, so you're definitely never too young because the younger you are, the less you have to get invested to actually have an impact. So the power of compounding over time is phenomenal. It's so unbelievable when you really look at the math. And, and like I said, at a young age, investing less means way more. And in reality, you're never too old to start. So yes, you don't have as much time when you're 50 as you do when you're 20, but the best time to start is now, right? The best time to start was 20 years ago, but the, the second best time to start is now. And, and you can make an impact whenever you start. So uh, towards the later slides here, I will get into sort of some real life examples for us over the last year. Uh, market cycles, they're going to happen. The real estate uh, market is going to go up. It's going to go down. But over time, it goes up much more than it goes down. And the trick is you just don't sell when it's down. And that's the reality with the stock market. That's the reality with real estate. It's, it's all about time. Uh, but with real estate, you can receive cash flow. You can continue to receive cash flow even when the market goes down. If you have 
uh, rental property. Uh, you say you're too busy. This, this is one I used for a long time. Um, this should be a priority. This is, this is how you're going to get ahead. This is how you're going to get less busy to focus on the things that matter. So don't, don't make excuses for your fear, right? Don't, don't put a name on just, I'm nervous about doing this, figure out why you're nervous about it, and then do the research as to how to get started and, and just start small, get started and start small. So like I said, anyone can do this. Uh, it is simple. It's a very simple recipe on how to be successful with real estate investing. It's not easy and it's not fast, but it is simple. Uh, and it's not get rich quick. Like I said, it's definitely a you know sort of get rich slow thing, but it will be effective. So what is a syndication? Syndication is uh, basically the act of grouping a bunch of people together to pool their money and purchase an asset that, that one of them alone would not have been able to purchase. Um, there's a number of different things that this can be used for, sports teams, racehorses, realistically anything that you're pooling money for, but ultimately um, real estate is what we're talking about here. You're gonna have sort of two sides of that equation. You have the general partners or the sponsors. These are the folks that sort of manage the deals. They do all of the work. They get a fee for that. So there is some, some you know, benefit to being that person. It's, it's kind of like another job. So you're getting paid for that job in a way. Um, and then there are the limited partners or the passive investors. Now these people are able to uh, be a part of the, the returns. They're gonna get cash flow. They're gonna get tax benefits. They're gonna get all of those same benefits uh, without having to do all the work. So an important thing to note is that with real estate investing and syndication in particular, the SEC governs all of this. So it is actually, it's quite a bit of legality that goes into it in the sense that uh, if you are investing in a syndication, you need, to, you need to vet the sponsor, you need to do your homework. However, the good thing is that they are under quite a bit of scrutiny from the SEC. And so you are protected in a lot of ways legally from them being, um, I guess, corrupt is probably the best way to put it. Uh, there are two types of investors per the SEC. One is accredited, one is sophisticated. Accredited investors have a net worth greater than $1 million, not including their primary residence, or their salary has to be greater than 200,000 a year as a single person or greater than 300,000 a year as a married couple. And that has to be over the last two years with the reasonable ex expectation that that will continue. Uh, there are some recent additions to that terminology of an accredited investor. Most of them have to do with essentially working in the field of finance. And then a sophisticated investor is, is virtually everyone else. Um, they may not fit sort of the equation of being an accredited investor, but they should be someone who, who understands what's involved. Uh, there are maybe less opportunities available as a sophisticated investor than an accredited investor, but they are definitely out there. So uh, I don't want to <laughs> allow you to have another limiting belief. If you're not accredited, you can still, you can still definitely be a part of this. Um, there are certain ways to do it. Uh, we'll talk about 506C versus 506B, but also Regulation A um, offerings anyone can invest in. And then there's a lot of crowdfunding platforms, some of which are open to sophisticated investors. When you are 
getting into a syndication, most often it's going to be a regulation D offering, and it will either be a 506B or a 506C. The 506B is kind of the simpler version, and, and it's referred to often as the friends and family opportunity. And basically, there are you can have accredited or sophisticated investors in here, uh, only up to 35 sophisticated investors, as many accredited as you like. The accredited investors in this 506B offering, they can self-verify. So essentially signing a form that says, yes, I am accredited. Uh, you are, however, not allowed to market these at all. So basically it has to be someone that you know. Uh, if you're the sponsor, your investors have to be someone that you know. If you're the investor, the sponsor has to be someone that you know already. So that's why I say that maybe the opportunities are a, list, a little less readily available means you have to have a connection with someone who you know who is syndicating one of these 506B offerings. 506C is open to uh, any type of marketing. However, it's open only to accredited investors. So you can put it wherever you want on social media. You can run commercials if you want. I mean, you can do anything you want to market it. However, everyone who invests has to be accredited and that must be third-party verified. So it's a, quite a bit more stringent. So the types of met metrics that you should be looking for uh, when you're investing in a syndication, a couple of them are cash on cash. So how much cash flow am I, am I gonna get throughout the year, generally distributed monthly or quarterly. Uh, you're gonna look at the internal rate of return, which is basically the amount of money over the life of that investment that you get broken down into a yearly basis. You're gonna look at the equity multiple, multiple so how much, how many times your initial investment are you expected to regain? And then you're gonna look at the class of shares. So there are, most of the time they're going to be equity shares, but sometimes there will be debt equity, which essentially means you're getting paid basically an interest rate, but you don't participate in the sale proceeds if the um, asset has appreciated. There's something called preferred returns, uh, probably not necessarily getting into at this point, and then waterfall structures and promotes. Those are the things that you might look at when you're looking at an offering memorandum from a syndicator, these are some of the terms that you're going to see. And so you're going to want to ask those, uh, that syndicator or that sponsor exactly what their metrics, what their numbers are, and, and, and how are they defining all of that. So again, remember, none of this is special to me. Really, really anyone can do this. And this is what essentially our last year is, really, it's been less than a year, uh, probably about nine or 10 months. But I started just with education, uh, reading books, podcasts, um, you know, kind of all over the internet, just looking to learn wherever I could learn. Um, I initially started looking into just multiple investing strategies. I didn't know for sure how exactly I wanted to proceed. Um, I went ahead and got a mentor. It was a, it was a paid mentorship. So it, it's, it's like investing in yourself. It's like paying for school. Um, I then decided to form Lark Capital Group with uh, my friend and business partner, and we pooled some of our capital together so that we could uh, use that money to invest. And so in October, we made our first investment as limited partners, completely passive in someone else, someone else's syndication. Um, in December and January, we came into the opportunity to be private money lenders in two deals. So basically what that means is we lent money at a preset interest rate to some uh, a team who were flipping houses. And so they use our money, they get the flip done, they sell the house, 
we get paid interest along the way and then we get our money back and we just kept continuing to look for more and more investment opportunities in spring of 2021 i was able to join a group as uh, a joint venture deal so not a syndication just a group of people um, uh, to get into purchasing some self-storage facilities uh, in the spring of 2021, I started my own real estate and mindset podcast with the aim of uh, essentially expanding my network. And then we also went ahead and used some of the equity in our house and invested into a different type of fund deal, which was uh, a deal with uh, essentially a fund created at, based around ATMs. So it's a, it's a little weird and interesting, but uh, it, it has good returns. So within less than a year, we were able to invest in a number of different avenues. Uh, we were able to generate about $5,700 a month of truly passive income. So this is, none of this is based on, you know, sort of money from, from syndicating our own deals. Uh, off that one syndication, we got a $45,000 on paper loss uh, on the taxes, on our taxes, uh, despite receiving cash flow distributions during that time. I've grown my network through podcasting. Um, currently, our company, Lark Capital, has a number of opportunities available. So please just reach out if you're interested. And so in conclusion, uh, there is a very definitive path towards, you know, sort of alleviating your student loan debt uh, using real estate investing. You can use it for retirement, you can use it just like I said, to really about to fund about anything. Um, the important things about real estate investing, the important benefits would be cash flow appreciation and the tax benefits. And then we talked a bit about syndication, sort of the different terms associated with that. And I went through some of my real world examples over this last year. So I appreciate you if you made it this far. Uh, I hope you learned something. Please, 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 if you have questions, uh, if there's anything here that didn't make sense or anything you'd like to know more about, then please reach out. I, I really do. Uh, I would love to help you and see if we can get you uh, on the road to financial independence. So yeah, please reach out. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to move this because that's where all the contact information is. But uh, email, phone number, anything, uh, reach out to me on social media. Any of that would be great. Uh, thank you again for your time.